Hello everyone, welcome back. And I'm thrilled and honored and so excited to have an amazing guest on tonight, Amrita Sen. Um, and I want to say that we have connections that go back to New Jersey, which makes this very, very exciting for me, just to start that off. Um, for those of you just joining us, I'm Kathleen Smith, and welcome to Morph Mom Moments. And I'll do a very, very quick intro tonight, because I know you'd, write, you'd rather much hear from, from her than from me right now. Very quickly, many, many years ago, I was a prosecutor. I stopped, had my kids, tried to go back, couldn't go back. They didn't want me back, had to figure out what to do. Rather than reinvent the wheel, I went out and interviewed other women and told their stories to sort of give inspiration to those looking to figure out what to do as well. Um, It started with a website, morphmom.com. I now write for the Huffington Post. Um, I host cocktail parties around the country to connect people in person. We have classes. Uh, we have the radio show. We have lots and lots of fun stuff going on. And really with the the um, primary goal of connecting women on whatever level they need to be connected on and hopefully inspiring them to go out and do what they always wanted to do or they may have to do or something they never even thought they could do. So basically that's Morph Mom in a nutshell. And what I'm so excited about Morph Mom is that I meet amazing women every single day. That's sort of my job. I meet generous, kind giving women who just want to pay it forward to others. So without further ado, let me introduce one morph mom that I'm so excited to meet, Amrita Sen. Welcome to the show. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm very happy that you're here tonight. Well, technically via cell phone from California, but you're, yes. al- you're almost here in person tonight. Um, so Amrita, tell us about yourself. Tell us um, uh, currently what you're doing right now. Well, I like to say that I'm a musical storytelling artist because I have three passions. I've always had three passions, which were historically very hard to combine. I love to write stories. I love to draw and I love to sing. And typically, you know, when you pursue a career in any one of those three areas, you have to do those specifically. You have to focus on those three areas. I like them equally so much that I had to figure out a way to combine them. So I found a lot of different vehicles throughout my career, but essentially what I do is I do books. I write books, I draw them, and I illustrate them, and then inside the book is a soundtrack and a CD that I perform and compose. It's my way of delivering to people an illustrated play. So from that, there comes a lot of different new opportunities. So for one, for instance, once I do the book, I you know go to my publisher, they edit it and see if they can, you know, they like it. They then put it out, and then I start to do agendas. I start to do uh, colored pencils, journals. I'm doing a bedding line for Bed Bath and Beyond. I'm doing um, scarves, jewelry, but they're always related to that book that I published at the time. Now, so that's what I do in a nutshell. The book that, that you're featuring right now is um, mm-hmm. Cosmic and Eternal Love and Everlasting Story. Is that correct? It's called Cosmic and Eternal Love. And um, it is very consistent with the types of stories that I write. It's an old mythology. An old mythology that was always, you know, historically written from a man's point of view. In this case, it was the story of Radha Krishna, 
uh, Hindu mythology where Krishna was the god. So when I wanted to reinterpret it, I thought, how great would it be to tell that story from her perspective, from the perspective of what if she's a goddess? What if the mythology was really about her all these years and not about him? So that's what it is. And, you know, and I take these mythologies from different parts of the world and I try to put them from a female point of view. So how many, this is a, this is a coloring book. Are, are some just written word or have all your writing involved so in artistic be, So that's a good question. See, right now coloring books are very popular. Um, I have to deliver eight books in the next four years, <laughs> right? <laughs> so my thought is they're not all going to be coloring books. The next one is going to be about the story of Buddha's wife. So it's probably going to be a coloring book. But I don't know whether coloring books are the right format maybe a year from now. Maybe they'll be interactive calendar coloring books or there'll be activity books. I think down the road, the coloring book format will evolve so much, they'll become creativity books. There'll be books that integrate every aspect of your creative life. And um, so there'll be books, but I just don't know if they'll be called coloring books. It's so exciting because you've sort of opened up this whole new approach to telling these stories from a female perspective. And what's so exciting is that you've also incorporated your own music. Is that something that all these books will include as well, potentially? Yeah, see, you know, there's a couple of reasons why I decided to do that. One is that, you know, I've, you got to really, when you're going to reinvent your career, it's got to really be worth it. And I know you went through the same process, is that if you're going to take the leap and give up income and give up your whole way of life to pursue something totally different, then there has to be something much more at stake than just money. And for me, it, the, what was at stake for me when I went from being uh, an agent to other celebrities and to other brands to doing it for myself, what was at stake was my identity. And my identity is, has been so tied to being a singer, to being a musician and an artist, that I couldn't just do a coloring book that was about drawing. I had to do a coloring book. I had to do a coloring book that was about music because it was who I am. Right. So, so the primary goal, number one, is to get my music out so that people know that I'm a singer and a songwriter and people know it's an integrated art form for me. The second reason why I did it was more practical, which is the coloring books that are out there right now are starting to look and feel the same, <laughs> you know, So because there's so many. Yeah. And I thought we, I've got to figure out a way. <laughs> to make this different if I'm going to compete with literally hundreds of coloring books out in Barnes & Noble. It's so funny you said that. So this Christmas, my mother gave me a coloring book, an adult coloring book, mm-hmm. and I'm the least artistic person in the world, but I'm addicted. To, I can't stop. There's something so soothing and so, I don't know, there's something so therapeutic about it. And the thought of you combining that therapeutic part with a musical element I I don't know. There's nothing better. I, I cannot wait for this. And the story, too, because when people are coloring, I think my suspicion is that they're getting tired of doing mandalas now mm-hmm. because there's just a lot of it. And it would be nice where you could color something and you know the context for what that artist was thinking, what the real like plot line was 
when they were actually illustrating that piece. Because when you illustrate a page, at least the way I approach it, I'm illustrating that page, thinking through, okay, what was happening at that moment? You know, say it was 2,500 years ago when Radha was visiting her lover in the palace. What was happening? What was the music? What was the feeling? What music would I hear as I'm drawing this? Or what, if I were to write this song, what would I be seeing in terms of color? So it's almost like a synesthesia experience when you can integrate all those different parts of your mind. And that's what I wanted to do. It's fascinating what you're doing. Um, I want to step back a little bit, uh, and and I want to talk about that again, but I want to sort of go back to your history and how, and your journey and how you got there. So you're not just an artist, but you're, as we mentioned, you're a singer and a performer as well and um, had a business as well. So can you sort of step back a little bit and, and a mom on top of it and tell us how mm-hmm. you got to where you are today, how, how this all evolved? Well, I'll give you the 30-second uh, version. <laughs> Hopefully I could get it right. Um, I, you know, I was born in India and I was an immigrant kid. And um, I grew up in a very different America than the America that you see today. I, I grew up in an America where Indian people were not that known to be integrated into society. So I had a lot of difficulty in my elementary school, in my middle school and my high school, just, you know, making friends and being integrated. And people didn't really, and I don't blame that to anybody, except they just didn't know what and what I was. Being Indian was something very exotic at the time. And I always had this great desire to just leave my existence in New Jersey, go make a lot of money, you know, work on Wall Street, just get out of my circumstance. So after I graduated from Wharton Business School undergrad, I went and got a job on Wall Street and then had some had a great career being in finance. Then I went back to business school. And when I went back to business school, I thought, okay, now I've, you know, made some money. I've, I'm out of my circumstance in New Jersey. I'm no longer starving. <laughs> Not that I was, but I always had this fear that I would. I have white friends now, and America is great. Um, and I thought, I've got to figure out a way to get back into something creative because nobody knew that I was a singer or an artist. You know, my husband didn't even at the time knew much later after we started dating, oh, gosh, you draw? I didn't know you draw. Did you sing? (laughs) So it's something I was always hiding. Then I decided, okay, why don't I go out to L.A. and become an agent to other other artists? So I joined a firm that did that specifically. I had my business degree. I got great clients. I had tons and tons of amazingly famous clients that you will know the names of. And I did their deals, say, for instance, with Target or with Walmart, or I did their deals with Macy's, and I was their fashion expert. And after about doing that for 10 years, I got so depressed doing that for other people. Now I knew everybody. I knew how the whole business worked. I knew how the music business worked. I knew how the fashion business worked. I was really thinking, God, how do I, how, is it too late for me? I already have my kids. I was just, I was so down that I never broke out and made my own dreams come true. And I I was really down. It got to the point where I couldn't even, like, get out of bed. Really? But, you know, and it was just sad because I I know I have this gift. And I I figured, you know, maybe I'll never be able to do anything with my gift. Maybe that's my 
um, that's my thing that I have to accept. Um, then this, I don't know what it was, but I started singing again and practicing. And about three months after I was practicing, I got a call to audition for Slumdog Millionaire, uh, for the Oscar performance for Slumdog Millionaire. And the composer is this most amazing, most brilliant composer named A.R. Rahman, and he auditioned a lot of people. He gave me a chance. I mean, I don't even know how else to describe it. He just gave me a chance to sing um, with the, in the Jay Leno show. After the Jay Leno show, he gave me a chance to sing in the Oscars. After I sang in the Oscars, you know, I didn't really have an opportunity to go back to my day job because within... About 15 minutes, I went back to professional singing. Like, I, I became, went back to professional singing overnight. And when I went back to professional singing, I thought, okay, this is like, if this is not a sign, <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> is. My husband, my husband said, you know, you really have to now take a stand on yourself and illustrate, make, do your own music, write your own songs, create a soundtrack, illustrate your songs. And I said, well, what about, you know, it, it, I'm starting from scratch. What about the money? And, like, I make so much money doing what I'm doing. And he's like, don't worry about it. I got the money part. Now you got to, the world has to see who you are. So I just literally started one day. It was so scary. And it's still <laughs> scary. It was, it's still scary. It was scary six years ago when all that started. But I just started chipping away, drawing one picture, drawing an illustration, doing trade shows, and just building a licensing business, building a portfolio of art and music. And um, I'm really glad I did it because if anything, you know, I don't really know sometimes if I'm going to be successful because I don't know what the definition of success is. But as long as I'm able to tell the story, I think it's a fun thing for my kids to be able to see and it's a fun thing for other women to be able to see that people can change their lives you know um so that's why i'm i think in hindsight i'm really glad i did the whole thing well i can make tell sense? you oh my makes sense i can tell you you are literally the definition of a morph mom and why i started what i do and when you look to the definition of success i think it's exactly what you described. It's do, going after something that you don't know if you're going to make it or not make it. And it's really scary. And I love that you admitted that it was scary because all of this is really scary. And, and, yeah. but you did it anyway. And with kids there and with other, you know, things going on, still trying something, I think is the definition of success. I think overcoming the fear of trying, regardless of the outcome. I think for me personally, I think a success and I try and hopefully that's the message we give with more from is like at least giving it a shot regardless of what happens. Yeah. And I think you far surpassed any of that and have succeeded in everything you've done between the books and your performances and your singing and your writing. And I think it is so, your story is so inspirational to everybody, whether or not they're going down the creative or artistic or whatever path they're taking just the fact your words alone and your story alone explaining how scary it was, but jumping in anyway, you know, just jumping in and saying, I'm going to give it a shot. So I, I thank you for that. I really thank you for that story because it really does epitomize morph mom, hopefully in the message that I try and get out there all the time. Yeah. You know, if you think about it, so many of the world's problems could be solved if people asserted passion into what they do. 
you know, whether they're political problems or economic problems or health problems that people have, societies have, is that we, societies, you know, in America, like I will be the first person to say America is great for so many reasons. One is that I came from um, a situation as a kid where people weren't accepting, and now Barnes and Noble and everybody else that was involved in bringing these Indian influenced products to market and mass market have proven that America is not a racist country. America is a warm and accepting country. With that being said, most countries are not like that. Most societies are not like that. And most people don't get a chance to to uh, live out their passion and, and talk about their identity, talk about all these luxuries that we're able to talk about. But imagine... If they were, imagine if you multiplied what we're seeing in our society and multiplied it times 100 and gave all these people an opportunity to do what they're exceptionally good at, you know, you would have an incredibly wealthy and well-organized world. You would be able to defeat a lot of problems, the problems that we see today. It's just that, that, that opportunity to talk about passion to talk about individuality is available to so few people in our world. So, I mean, the whole concept of educating girls, right? Like my book, in my book, one of the reasons why the the female character becomes so um, popular and so goddess-like is because she promotes uh, elementary school education for young girls. That's she adopts a thousand children. She loses her lover, but she decides instead of getting another lover, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna really take it over the top. I'm gonna like adopt a thousand kids, and then she adopts a thousand kids, and she has, you know, she she starts a school and she finds love through that purpose. Right. You know, so imagine if you just had everybody doing that across the world, you'd have a very powerful world. And it's you wonder like why what stops us then what what are the what are the obstacles out there that that cause someone to not go forward with their passion or to give it a shot and sometimes I wonder you know the fear of of judgment right of people saying you can't do it yeah. and that allowing and also the fear of failure I think people are afraid sometimes to say you know this didn't work but oh, you know that it worked when I tried the second time or I tried the third time so I wonder what do you think about that like well, you know, it's very easy to say, and I I live this fear very acutely every day because I'm out there so much with music or with the songs I've written and with different art illustrations or paintings. So I'm constantly getting rejected, right? So I see rejection in a very, very powerful and an acute way. And it's very easy to say to someone, overcome your fear. And don't care, don't, but that doesn't, if you really become that person, you don't become human anymore. You become like steel. And then that's not good either. I think the real answer to it is the, the ecosystem, the society has to embrace artistic risk-taking entrepreneurship. This it's all of up to all of us and people's peers to say, yeah, let's go do it. We have to encourage each other because I know what it's like when people are just saying, oh, that's pretty good. You know, duh. can you see yourself out the door, please? <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, it takes just way too much strength to overcome that day in and day out. It shouldn't have to be that hard. 
So we, as friends and as sisters and as daughters, we have to be encouraging of other people to do that, to make it easier for other people to take risk. Right. And that's why I think sharing, well, that was hopefully what More Fun does. Like, cause I, mm-hmm. when I, when I tried to start again, so I'll give you a very, my very boring story, um, which no one's interested in. They all want to hear your story right now. But so when <laughs> I tried to go back to, to law and it was ridiculous and they were like you know you're not coming back I'm like what am I going to do now so I actually tried to write this children's book and it was not good and I did it in 24 hours it was not it really was not a good book but it felt so good to try to do it just to to do something to get back in doing something at all and I accidentally told somebody one time and it was a good friend of mine and I didn't mean to say it but I did the words came out and I tried to push them back in again it was too late and I said, oh, I wrote this children's book. And I got that far into the sentence and she rolled her eyes and she sighed and she yes. walked away. And I, I thought, wait, wait, that did not just happen. Exactly. Like, really? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> it was it was like, I think I was just kicked in the stomach. Wait a minute. What just went on there? And all I do is try and teach my kids it does, you know, it doesn't matter what people think. And you you pursue your dreams. You pursue what you want to do. Other people that should not in any way force you to change the course that you think is the right way to go. But that day, I was oh, yes. I was not a living example of what I was trying to teach. It it really knocked me off course a little bit when she did that. But exactly what you're saying, like you would just hope that naturally you'd be supportive, whether you whether it goes far or goes nowhere. It's just to be supportive of that, and that's what I was saying. I think the definition of success is is going out there and giving it a shot and trying. It just can't be this hard, you know, like I am a different person and I can withstand a lot of rejection and not lose my soul in the process. But um, I don't know if that's always the case. I think that you have to um, you have to build an environment, like I said, of risk taking. If you have more risk taking, if you have more educated risk taking, we'd all make a lot more money. We'd all be richer. And that's what we want. We all want to have, like, great houses and cars. But it has to come from people taking risk. Right. But then in this world, like you said, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're always willing to take the risk to see. When you already walk into a situation, when you, you see how people have reacted, it's tough. It's tough to then walk in there yeah. again and say, you know what? If precedent is here, there's a good chance I'm going to be knocked off and that's what's so hard. That's why I started Morph Mom, to find a place where you could yeah. kind of go and give it a shot and see what happens. Yeah. Um, well, sometimes, you know, um, I talk to a lot of moms, and I, I think sometimes it's just what you said earlier, is just start something. It doesn't have to be exactly the business plan where you write out, you know, your financial goal, goals five years from now or ten years from now. Just start something because you don't know what that little something is going to evolve into, into a new idea, or that's going to morph into another idea. You just don't know. Right. So you, the important thing is to start some sort of energy. Right. I agree. And something will happen. And if nothing else... And maybe you do it on the side. Maybe you don't... You know, I didn't quit my licensing business, to be honest with you. After I did that whole Oscars thing, I still kept my business going for two years. It got to the point where I was so sleepless, where I was doing, you know, my day job and the other st- my own stuff at night. I only quit when I had to quit. 
Right. So you don't have to throw everything out. You know, you just, the key for me was just to start. Right. Which is the hardest thing, I yeah, think. Yeah, just start. You know, it's, it's, we have a lot of, um, so we do these classes for more, well, classes is the wrong word. We sit mm-hmm. with, with smaller groups and we talk about like, you know, where do, where do I start? How do I begin? I have all these ideas and I don't know how to start. So we, we sort of ask the question, you know, when is the last time someone turned to you and not about your kids, not about your family, not about anybody else, but just about you. And what is it that you like to do? What is something that makes you so excited that it gets you up in the morning and gets you going no matter how tired you are, you want to get, you want to do it. And it's interesting, especially with moms when you ask them that question, they're almost scared to answer. They're almost scared to reveal something that they want to do if in a way it's, it's letting everybody else down. Like they're not allowed to think about what they want to do. Yeah. Well, particularly because if, if you don't have your passion kind of lined up before you have the kids, it's very difficult. We see these real success stories like J-Lo, you know, who they found their calling but they did it before they had the kids. So mm-hmm. once they had the kids, they're able to continue with their careers, right? However, what do you do if you didn't time it right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, what if, you, what if your timing was so that you had the kids and then you're like, oh gosh, I'm really passionate about this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> then you're, you know, then you're kind of screwed, you think, but <laughs> it's a little bit harder. Uh, but it's in a way, it's a little bit, um, more it's it's a more humbling experience and it makes you somebody that's much more approachable and you want to, you know you can talk to that person i think so too because you've you've kind you of know, yeah it, it hasn't come that easy always also not that right. it comes easy to people before having kids as well but when you add that into it it's a whole yeah. new world it's a whole new ball game yeah yeah so um so i think you should continue telling people your story and uh, because there's a lot of people that can benefit from this concept of reinvention. I, I appreciate that. I, and, and hopefully, for example, like you coming on and telling your story as well, I, I hope that's what this does. With every story we tell and we just keep building these stories and building these stories, people will, will be empowered to at least get, like we said, give it a start, to go out there tomorrow and try. And that alone should make them feel and that alone, I think, is empowering. Just to step outside in the morning and say, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot today. Um, but I, I have a question for you. When you, so after you sang um, at the Academy Awards and, and everything sort mm-hmm. of, you know, springing up everywhere, what was, when you were trying to sort of decipher almost what your what your passion was, so you loved to perform and to sing, but also to write as well, had you always, so you write your own music as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, I had, after the Academy Awards, I got a series of really great breaks in music, okay? The first thing is I went, immediately went and tried to get to one of my favorite producers, Timbaland, who is a very big fan of Bollywood music. So I flew to Miami. I got a meeting with him. I sang for him live. And he immediately started putting me in his records. And he ended up becoming such a great supporter he put me in the Justin Timberlake record for that's, 2020 that's amazing. and that really helped <laughs> you know <laughs> and then um I then I you know I did a 
amazing song with the with Weezer. They're a rock band. Like it was called Love Is the Answer. I was like the, a featured singer in their album. I did commercials for Sprite. I did Jaguar commercials. I did um, one of the fun things I did was there was a TV show called Outsource. I did. I the love theme that song TV show. That. So and I did a lot of film soundtrack so I just started getting like I just became a working musician you know so I was a working musician almost for a year and a half before I started illustrating my original songs because it was very important for me at least my personality it was very important for me to keep showing to people that to have validation like okay I'm not just a singer I sang with all these famous people I've been put on their records I sang for it was very important for me to say Here's the reason why you should take me seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, when I came out with my illustrations, I was shy about it. But the first thing I did after I came out with my illustrations is I went to a sponsor for Art Basel. And Art Basel is one of the biggest art shows in the world. And I did an exhibit at Art Basel. So it immediately established me as an as an artist. So along the way, I needed, I personally needed a lot of people telling me, I'm good in order for me to continue. But the great thing is people came and, you know, I had these really, um, you know, good, like, resume points along the way to keep telling myself, okay, you're not being crazy, you're not being (laughs) delusional. You know, you're not being delusional, so just keep at it. Was there ever a time, um, and things were going so well and it was so positive, was there ever sort of an obstacle that you hit at that time that you thought, I don't know. And you got well, past Let me tell you, for every for every yes I got, I got 25 no's or 100 no's. I don't know. You lose <laughs> count. So I just gave you the yeses, right? But what you don't hear is all the times where people just are horribly cruel to artists. Yeah. And- horribly cruel. And, and take your money and keep your royalties and all those kinds of things. That happens a lot. And it can, and you know what? And it continuously happens to me. Would I take any less risk? Probably not, because I don't want to. I don't want to lead my life where I don't try things, right? Out of fear. Would you have any recommendation for um, other artists that are pursuing that? That advice as to as to how you handle those situations, or I don't know. Is there any warning signal or some <laughs> like? some sign that you sort of know you're in the wrong place and you should move on? Um, I think, you know, um, I think a practical way of doing it is you have to be able to measure your yeses versus noes, right? So there's this whole concept about the batting average, right? So say you go after 100 auditions or 100 meetings where you're pitching yourself. If out of 100 out of 100 you're getting, uh, yeah, I'll let you, I'll get back to you. It's really great, but I'll get back to you. And that's happening 100 out of 100 times. Most likely, the stuff's not good, mm-hmm. okay? If your batting average is 10 out of the 100 people say, this is really good, and it ends up in one opportunity where you can commercialize it, one out of 100, then you're talking. So you right. kind of have to let the numbers, you have to let the numbers really tell you, and you have to have... Um, the marketplace be a market like for stocks and bonds there's a market right right if you have a low value stock no one's going to buy it you have to put yourself as if okay i have a product to sell are are there any buyers 
after a year, are there any buyers for my product? And if the answer is yes, then you keep doing it. Right. When when you moved on to the um, it's to the artistic, it was all artistic, but to the the coloring book and to the drawings and were you when you made that transition were you were you nervous about how it would be received or were you pretty confident that I you know I'm going to go forward with this regardless I'm still nervous I'm nervous <laughs> every day I live my entire day you know nervous and thinking I'm not good enough but I've come to embrace that that's just who I am Do you still feel you know, that way what, after all yes, your success Of course of course I do I always feel like I am not doing enough I'm not practicing enough my voice is not in good enough shape um you know i always feel that but i also have learned to embrace the fact that that may be who i am Mm -hmm. and some of it i can't hit the delete button (laughs) i'm glad you can't because i think you're great well i thank you very much but there's a lot of days if you're not feeling insecure you're just not being an artist you're not pushing yourself yeah i think in general though i think that is possibly a pretty good trait across the board too. You know, I think once you become a little too overconfident, you lose not just your motivation sometimes, but maybe you get, I, I don't know, possibly a little sloppier with what you do, or you take it a little less seriously. But I think if you always sort of have the butterflies in your stomach or the, you don't want a terrible insecurity, but you know, something that keeps you on your toes, I don't know, maybe it keeps you more successful and keeps you sort of more on top of your game. Well, you know, it's very hard to define success um, when you are in an artistic, evolving situation where you're constantly taking artistic challenges. Because, see, what you develop, like, you know, in one week is going to be potentially could look entirely different to you a week from then. So you can't define success in, I mean, I guess you could define success in terms of money. Right. But money and art is very fleeting. It just goes, you know. It's I don't know if that's the right that's the most accurate way of defining success. Um I think I think you could define success with whether or not people are able to get access to it and able to like it and hold on to it. So, for instance, if you're a dancer, if people see you and then they clap, and then they say, that was great. I want to see come see you again. That's probably success, you know? Yeah. You don't have to be, like, you know, you don't have to be, you know, on So You Think You Could Dance, in, or you don't have to be on the Dancing with the Stars. I mean, you could probably be an amazing dancer that has a good working living as a dancer um, without being on television. But there has to be somebody consuming your art. Because right. I think doing art just for yourself is not, that's no fun. <laughs> right. What would you, in, in looking back and all that you've done, and you've covered so many different venues, is there something you're you're most proud of? Or, and there doesn't have to be, I'm just curious. Um, in terms of some, the thing that I'm most proud of, um, artistically, um, I think the piece that I did for a uh, soundtrack called The Waiting City is really good uh, because it blends a lot of different musical styles. I love that artistically. But in terms of pure, 
you know, showing my the force of my will and the, my um, my just my ability to push a process is the coloring book. And the coloring book was a difficult thing to do technically and from a business standpoint because it involved story, it involved a lot of illustration, it involved uh, a lot of music production. I had to learn logic and you know, music production to be able to do the record. One of the, one of the difficulties I had in doing the record was I had written all the songs. I knew how to sing the songs, but I didn't necessarily know how to produce the songs. I didn't have a studio. And I tried to work with a series of different producers. And they all came back to me with either wanting a lot of money and or wanting a lot of the songwriting credit. And at some point, I was just like, I can't do this. I can't write the song and then have give give them half songwriting credit. They didn't write the song. So my husband and I, again, he comes to save the day. He said, well, why don't you produce it? And I kept saying to him, like, I'm not a producer. I mean, I, how many more pieces of software do you want me to learn, honey? <laughs> and he was like, well, if you can learn, you know, video and learn Illustrator and learn Photoshop, you can learn Logic, too. And believe it or not, I mean, I went on lynda.com and I, like everything else, I did tutorials late at night and I learned logic and I produced it one track at a time. Then I worked, then I called one of my really close friends who works with A.R. Rahman, Tony Joy, to mix the record. And after he mixed it, I, I mean, it sounds like a professional record. I was like, wow. <laughs> you know, and I could actually write in the record produced and composed by Amrita Sen. And that gave me this sense of like, okay, if somebody, is mean to me, <laughs> right. then I can help myself. Right, right. And and if somebody's cruel to artists, artists can go help themselves. And for those artists listening today, you said that you went. Was it? A, was it a? Of course, I have no idea. It, where did you go again to to learn how to do it? Like, what did you? I how learned, do you do it? So I, I'm like the biggest commercial for Linda.com. L y n d a dot com. The reason it's so significant for me is I learned painting by oil painting, by watercolor, by doing pencil sketches. I never learned how to do digital art where something where my art could be taken into a bedding sheet or bed sheet or a comforter like I do now, right? To do that requires a whole different skill set where people go to school for. I didn't have the money or the time to go back to school to learn how to work in Illustrator, to work in Photoshop, in design, to, to do a book. But when you look at the book, it's all hand-drawn and then digitized by me. And the reason I was able to do that is because I spent all, I spent a full year just late at night doing tutorials on lynda.com and learning it on my own. And then when I had the technical skill and I had the ability to do oil, it just made it faster and it made it better. That is amazing. So you really did this nuts to bolts. I mean, you did this book from the beginning to end, pretty much every piece I of have, it. I have a very, very specific process, right? So I first write the story, then I write the music on the piano, I write the chords, I go into logic, I put down the songs, um, I do a rough track of the music. Then I start illustrating it with pencil, and then I, after pencil, I go to Sharpie, I bring the Sharpie into the scanner, I scan everything, I digitize it myself in Illustrator, and then I com compile all the Illustrator documents into Photoshop, 
and then I layer it all in InDesign. Now, along the process, because now I'm doing eight books, now I've started to work with amazing people who help me in a lot of the technical things. But that is how it's done. And I can tell you with utmost detail every single hundred steps along that process, what happens and how you create something like that. That is the most inspirational story I've heard, honestly, in a really – it's just – Amazing. And for those listening out there, and hopefully my morph moms out there are listening and, and hearing how, you know, if one door closes, you go to another one. If you can't figure out how to do it, there are other ways to do it. And that's exactly the example you've set for everyone in so many different venues and so many different genres. You just combine them all together. So I think your story is so exceptional and so inspirational and so perfectly in tune with the Morph Mom message. And I so, so appreciate you coming on and I'm so grateful for you sharing it today. Well, I'm grateful to share the story and anything I can do to help you guys, just let me know. I'm and, not going anywhere. <laughs> I hope not. As I can't <laughs> wait to get this. Now, now tell everyone how they can get the coloring books. Okay, so they can get the full set. It's in an end cap in Barnes & Noble. So most Barnes & Nobles, I think, have it. It's about 450 stores. And uh, it's an end cap called Amrita Send for Barnes & Noble. It's there now. And if you only, if you want to order the coloring book online, you have to wait till January. Uh, but, it's, <laughs> but it's in the stores now. <laughs> so get over to the stores. And if you want to get, uh, if you want to get the gift products, they're in Dillard. It, it is amazing. I am so sad. Our, we have one minute left. I can't believe this. I could talk to you forever. And I hope you come back again back on the show. Um, but for those of you out there listening, you've just heard it's cosmic and eternal love. And Rita Sen has done her career. Her journey is absolutely fascinating an absolute learning experience for all of us and an inspiration to all of us. And most recently this cosmic and eternal love, we all need to get this. And I love that, um, this could be a potential book club thing as well, that we, we color and we discuss it and we listen to the music. I'm in. I'll start the, I'll, I'll do well, this. I want to, I want, I would love your opinion on the story because it's very provocative. It probably made a lot of people who study Hindu mythology very angry. So I would love everybody's perspective to write in to me and I would love people's thoughts on Uh, on this topic, this very topic that I wrote about. And if you'd like, I'd love for you to come back and we could almost do a virtual book club (laughs) talking about it as well. okay. So maybe that's our next job. All right, anyone out there is interested, I want you to contact me at morphmom.com and I think it'd be really, really fun to do this and it's just such an exciting project. It's a fascinating thing that you've done combining every artistic element. Um, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I, I'm so bummed to hang up. I don't want to, but I have to, but we're, now no, I feel better. Great. You, you can call me anytime. And I, um, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you all for listening tonight. And, uh, I'll see you all next Thursday. More from Mom moments. Thanks again. Good night, everyone.